0: and that's taken us on a journey from Founder Magazine to this podcast and beyond. And today marks the next step in that journey, Founder Plus. I'm proud to introduce you to Founder Plus, which is an all-access pass to each of our online courses and programs and their proven frameworks for success. It puts every strategy we've compiled from world-class instructors at your fingertips while connecting you to a global network of like-minded entrepreneurs. Founder Plus will take your business to the next level for today and tomorrow. So whether you've just joined our family or You've watched us grow from humble beginnings. We're really thrilled to have you join us in this exciting new phase of making the founder brand and this company the world's best entrepreneurial community to launch and grow your business. So finally, before we get into today's episode, I'm inviting you to come back, check out Founder Plus and go to founder.com forward slash membership. I'm really excited, guys. This is an incredible new evolution of entrepreneurial education. And our mission is really to get as many of these founders that we interviewed to teach and also give back on the Founder Plus platform and really go more in depth with the knowledge and the experiences and the lessons learned that they're sharing all in Founder Plus. So guys, please go check it out if you're enjoying these interviews. That's it from me. I hope you enjoy this episode. Now let's jump in.
1: Branson, Mark Cuban, Tony Robbins, Tim Ferriss, Ariana Huffington, Seth Go, Steve Case, Gary V, Sophia Amoroso, Robert Corcoran, Damon John. Learn from the greatest minds in business today with interviews hosted by Nathan Chan. This is not your average entrepreneur podcast.
0: The Founder Podcast. Aaron is the founder of world famous swimwear brand Triangle, and having started Triangle in 2012. Erin and her then-partner, Craig Alice utilized influencer and social media marketing to scale Triangle into a multi-million dollar brand. So today, we're sitting down with Erin to discover the lessons that she's learned on her journey and how they were able to enter a crowded market and scale to 2,000 bikinis sold every single day. Please welcome to the podcast, Erin Deering. So the first question I ask everyone that comes on is, how did you get your job? AKA, how'd you find yourself doing the work you're doing today?
1: Um, well, Triangle launched back in, the idea launched back in 2011 in Melbourne on a beach. Um, and my partner at the time, co-founder Craig, we had our second date and I couldn't find a bikini well actually no I went to find a bikini because second date at the beach is kind of you know a little bit nerve-wracking I wanted something nice and I went shopping and I couldn't find anything that sat between a surf brand and a higher like Zimmerman Sea kind of price point um, so we got on the beach I ended up finding something I think I bought a Zimmerman bikini and we had we ended up chatting about it and Pretty much then and there went. There's a you know gap in the market. This could be really fun. Why don't we keep talking about it? And Triangle was pretty much born that day. Yeah, wow. Yeah. So,
0: yeah. what happened next?
1: Well, we. Craig had had previous experience in having a business. So that was super fortunate. I hadn't had to you know, I think everyone, I was 27. So had pretty lofty ambitions and like, I'm going to do this and do that, but no idea how to do it. Um, And so we kind of started thinking about how we were going to start it and the name and the logo and the designs and all of those things. And then pretty early on, like, like probably a few months after that, we realized that we needed to, we didn't need to, but we thought we'd move to Hong Kong um to be close to the supply chain we also just knew that we really wanted to have a crack and we wanted to do it properly and if we stayed in melbourne with our identities here and our friends and our distractions yes we wouldn't really commit yes. so we packed up everything sold sold our small number of possessions and moved to hong kong
0: yeah wow yeah and at you guys are only on your second date
1: Yes. Yeah. So th- so it was all very quick. So we kind of, you know, fell in love and had our personal relationship going at the same time as Triangles, you know, the business. So yes. they were always very intertwined and like, you know, pretty much just the same. So, yeah. Yeah. Wow.
0: And mm. during that time period, like, did you uh, leave your leave your job? Like yeah. What
1: yeah. Yeah. So... Craig, and uh, so he was working, he'd had a business, a fashion, but he was previously an, an AFL footballer. And yes. then so he's had many careers um, yes. and then had a fashion label, which was quite popular in Melbourne um, called St. Lenny. And then that he went bankrupt with that, which, you know, was jarring. Well, it wasn't really jarring for me. It was more jarring for people around me, probably my parents, mm. um, but it was actually amazing. And it was really integral to the success of Triangle because he'd learned so much through that process. And, he, you know, he'd made decisions that were bad, and and so it really kind of helped us. But his bankruptcy ended in April 2012. Yes. And so then he was able to kind of do things. Yes. And that was kind of why we packed up and left. He just quit his job. He'd had some design job yeah. at a company here. I was working in e commerce at a company, and I was loving it. But it was you could see that trajectory when you're in, you know, and you would know when you're in another business and you're in kind of not corporate, but you're in someone else's business, you can't really accelerate to any level that you really want to. So, you know, it was pretty easy just to pack up and give my notice and get out of here.
0: Yeah, I see. So, what happened next? So, you guys moved to Hong Kong. Yeah. How'd you come up with the brand, the logo, the yeah. name? Like, yeah, yeah. Like, really solid.
1: Yeah. So, Craig is, you know, all credit to him. He's a true, true creative um, and just loves to come up with logos and names and visuals and really, you know, like he did another 10 ideas during the Triangle Days for other things. Like, he loves it. So, that kind of was really down to him. Um and we came up with that pretty early on. And when we got to Hong Kong, that was really all about getting the samples and finding the money to start to manufacture something to get it out there. And we yes. were building our website. We knew, well, actually, we didn't know at the start we wanted to be direct to consumer. Um, we did try wholesale a little bit, yes. but we also knew that that model was pretty clunky, quite hard to manage. I'm, My passion really lies in customer, the customer experience and having that direct connection, and I knew I'd lose that in wholesale, so yes. we were really protective of that pretty early on, and made the decision to just do it online. Yes, um, and yeah, and so that's kind of in the first year, which was two thousand and twelve, from June onwards. Yes, that was what we were doing was just hustling to get some product
0: out into the market. Yep, and uh, how long how long did it take for you to go from idea conception to first customer to launch?
1: Yeah, look, so idea conception was two thousand and eleven in. October, November. Yep. And then we sold our first bikini online in January, 2013. Yeah, okay, so it so would have you... been, it was, it was a while. Yeah. Um, it didn't, it, yeah, it didn't feel like that. I think there was that first half of 2012 when we were in Melbourne, that was just getting ready to move. And yes. so that was exciting and it was so much potential. And, and then when that second half of 2012 was incredibly stressful because we'd given everything up. We were in Hong Kong, we were flat broke. We didn't even have money to go back home and we knew we couldn't go back home we had to try everything to get this you know brand to to launch and um so that was six months of real hustle and we had to borrow some money off a few friends to really get you know to to pay our rent and to pay to get some product out there
0: and what was moq it
1: was we were so fortunate it was really really low it was like 400 pieces which now doesn't happen at all. And that's a real hurdle for people, I think, especially trying to launch a business that's selling a product, is MOQs are so bloody high. And if they're, if they're lower, the cost goes through the roof. Mm. So we were really, really lucky. We'd found an amazing manufacturer in China. We went to trade shows in the start and just sampled with a few, found a really good one. They ended up completely screwing us, but that's another story. Oh, let's um, hear that. Yeah. Let's hear that. Yeah, tell us about that. What happened? Well, they, they copied us and they started making our products on the side and selling them in China and tried to register our name in China. So we learned about IP and trademarks in a really painful way because we didn't do it at the start because it cost money, we didn't have money. And we also didn't know that it would become what it would become. So when they, when we found out they were copying us, which was about 2014. And it wasn't just them. Everyone then came and copied us. Like every brand in the world that was doing swimwear did a triangle version. Um, and yeah, but they were the they were the worst. They were trying to claim our brand, and they did a mimic website. And yeah, it was pretty tough. It was pretty stressful. But we learnt a lot through it, and we really just kind of, part of we got our you know name trademarked in every other place we could um and I can't even recall if we did in China in the end um but they did eventually go away and that was just through us just I guess at the end of the day just ignoring them and focusing on innovating and making better product and and moving to another manufacturer as well (laughs) yeah but that was stressful we lost all our product um because we left them and they wouldn't give us any of our swimwear so we had a good month or so where we didn't have any bikinis to sell and we were still selling them online because we didn't really know if we'd get it back or not and it was yeah there was some real pain points there yeah yeah,
0: yeah this is actually a good one because this is common right yes. like you have a hot yep. product yeah it's being manufactured in china you do the alibaba thing yeah like literally this my my fiance's bottle yeah healthish this was the first time mark water Bowl like really made And now everyone's copied it oh gosh like it's yeah that's what
1: people just do and
0: and so what how did you work through that what were the lessons because it's so easy for this to happen
1: yeah well the china one was you know that was because they weren't pushing into our market it didn't feel as stressful it was awful but we were able to sort of you know i guess like separate that from our what we were selling in australia and the us when brands like victoria's secret copied us and they were very very aggressive in doing every single bikini that we did and just copying us you know straight up Um, and we you know tried to take them on legally which you know you start the process and realize you're about to go down an incredibly expensive path so we did all those initial aggressive you know like this isn't fair and we're going to go after them and how dare they and then you kind of it's, you're stressed, you know, you're up every night till 2am looking, finding copies and people are sending them to you and, and, you know, and that was obviously just, it was going to happen. And, but when you're in it, it's so tough to kind of step away from it. But you really have to, you have to go, you know what, this won't stop. I can, you know, bang my fist, make as much noise as possible, send a cease and desist letters, do whatever, but at the end of the day they'll keep doing it. What we have to have faith in, what we have to do as a brand is innovate, step keep pushing forward, know that we created that. They don't have the talent to keep creating because they're copying. So let's keep creating. And we were really fortunate to be able to keep doing that and, and you know, I guess like deviate and, and move away from from, you know, what we were doing. And still know that you know, and also still know that what you're making, people will still buy that. Even if there are copies, they still will want the original. um, As long as you're still making other product and not getting too stuck, because it's such a investment of your time and energy to throw at people copying you, and it's taking away from your innovation and your creation of, of anything new. And we just we just saw that happening. We saw that we were spending our days doing that as opposed to creating anything new. So we just went, well, we've just got to create new things. You know, put the blinkers on and just keep pushing forward. And they all went away. So, yeah,
0: wow. Interesting. Yeah. So you end up finding a better supplier.
1: Yes. Yeah.
0: And then what happened next? Like, so those 400 pieces, how did you get that first sale? Was it through Instagram? Was that the first play or was it friends and family? Like, yeah, it
1: was friends and family. It was, um, we did launch our website, but obviously our social media was tiny and we didn't, weren't really getting much traction as you, as you weren't back then. So it was a lot of word of mouth, you know, it was a lot of our friends and then our friends of friends and then putting it up on social media and, just you know, we always had this tagline that we wanted to sell one bikini a day. Yes. Um, because that would match our salaries that we were making back in Melbourne. Yes. So we with without having that crazy expectation, everything felt quite attainable and achievable. Yes. Um, and so we did just sort of start. You know, I think people really under undervalue word of mouth because it's not like a measurable. You know, mm. like it, it, you know, you can't say, Oh, here, look, here's the return on investment on word of mouth. Mm but it's so valuable and it really was huge for us. And in Australia, especially in Melbourne, you know, people were going, oh, this is brand. And then they saw on Instagram and, you know, we were putting up lovely pictures of girls in bikinis. And that took a little while actually, but we did shoot one or two girls and put the bikinis on them and then put those photos up. And it was all done through Instagram pretty quickly.
0: Yeah. Yep. So where, did, where and when did you get that step change in growth? Cause mm. From my research you guys are yep. doing 200 up almost 200 grand a day mm-hmm. in profits. Yeah. Yeah. Like it's like, you know, insane. Like, yeah. it, Like, did, did the company get to north of 100 million revenue a year? Like, can you talk about that? Yeah, yeah.
1: It, it got to, not 100 million, it was about, uh, our biggest year would have been 60 million US. Because yeah. our peak was only, because it's a seasonal product, yes. our peak was at different times. So there were a yeah. few months and it still is that way, August, September, October, yeah. really lean. Um, yeah. Because globally, no one's really buying swimwear then. Yes. Um, But yeah, so we like our biggest kind of step growth would have been probably the social media impact of the Kardashians more so Kendall Jenner. Um, we had a few before then of like bigger bloggers posting and they were bloggers back then because that was before they changed the name to Influencer. Yeah, well um, now it's Creator. Yeah, sorry, yeah. True, yeah. True. Yeah. true,
0: true. Creator <laughs> yep. creator, Korea. Influencer's a dirty word now, <laughs> yep. now it's yep. Creator. Yep.
1: Um, yeah, so we had a few of them and that would always, you know, get us a couple of, you know, not a couple, but like new followers, new, new you know, customers. But we really, really catapulted when we had Kendall Jenner post about our bikinis. And then that really launched us into the States. By then, we were already pretty solid in Australia. We had a pretty good customer base. We had a great mailing list. Yep. Um, but the States was really because of that power factor of,
0: of Kendall, really. And when was that? And, and tell us how that came about. Yeah,
1: that was, I believe it was 2014. I could have okay. my year on. So it only took a couple sweary. years to yeah. To, to... yeah, Yeah, it was really quick. Like once we... Once we got over that first sort of 2013, you know, obviously there are a few pain points and, but nothing slowed down. It, the growth would slow down, but it was still always growing. And then when Kendall posted, that was when everything went mad and we had a bit of a strategy around that. We knew we couldn't reach because we were reaching out to girls. So taking a step back as well, what we did, which no one was doing back then, which most brands kind of do now, is that we were gifting without any expectation of a post in return. It was true. And we were very clear on that. We would say, we're sending you this. Please don't, unless you, you know, don't, we don't need you to post it. We just want you to have it. We think you'll love it. Nine out of 10, even, you know, 9.5 out of 10 would post. Because they just, and and we were really genuine because we didn't want girls posting it and and not really looking good or feeling good and then posting a photo because that would then You know, it would it'd be obvious. Mm. So that was sort of really big for us, and I think it got us quite a lot of traction in that that you know blogger world or that social media world because it was genuine and it wasn't saying that you know we'll send you this, but send like post about it, like you must post. It was never that, and we never wanted to pay. You know, I still don't I don't believe they're doing that now. We never really paid anyone, Um, and yeah, and so that that was happening, and then. So we were reaching out to girls, but we knew we couldn't reach out to Kendall because she was, you know, the big fish and she yep. just wouldn't reply. So we reached out to all of her friends and they were girls that didn't really have followings. You know, they might have had like 2,000 or something, but yep. nothing big. Two of them are actually Bella Hadid and Hayley Baldwin, now Bieber. Yes. Um, but they were just, you know, Hayley was just a, you know, cute Californian like She was sweet, young. I think she was like 16, you know, like super, super young, Um, really lovely. You know, she was a Baldwin, but that was her thing. She wasn't her own. And Bella was the same. Really? Bella was just one. They were just Kendall's friends.
0: Wow. And they didn't have a big following. No,
1: nah, nah. So we gifted them and then hoping that Kendall would come and chase us down. And she did. She emailed me, got my email from one of the girls who we, you know, gifted and said, all my friends have these bikinis. Can I get some too? They're amazing. So we sent her everything. And then that was really it. And that kind of started that movement over there because all those girls were wearing them and that, that, though they became more and more influential and it just kind of grew from there and then we got on the other kardashians and kim and courtney and
0: Christiana. Yeah yeah <laughs> she was wearing them <laughs> and you yeah. all gifting all gifting.
1: Yeah, all gifting yeah 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 all gifting because yeah. you would
0: think that uh for the kardashians you have to pay like you know like yeah. high smile or like they're, they're paying
1: yeah yeah no we didn't we did it was pretty early on yeah so you know we knew that if we wanted to say guarantee a post or guarantee some kind of coverage that we would pay. But yep. we just, we knew they they liked the brand and that they wanted it, you know, and they would like, they'd get everything. I remember Kim requested the, this selection. This was early Kanye days when she changed her look. Yeah. And all the bikinis she selected were like black, white, gray, and we we're like, oh, the Kanye effect. <laughs> like she's <laughs> yeah. getting all the, mon- like, all the monochrome kind of vibe.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, but yeah, they all really wanted it and they wore it and they never tagged us but the Daily Mail picked it up and other mm. publications picked it up and they would talk about us. And so it was happening anyway. We didn't need them to tag us in the end because then we would use the photo on our page, tag them and people would be like, holy shit.
0: Yeah, yeah. Let's
1: you know, try it, wow. So it was really just fortunate and, and an authentic approach to doing it as well.
0: So as the business really grew super fast, where did you build team? Was it in Hong Kong? Did you come back here, set up base? Or what did that look like? Stayed
1: in Hong Kong, set up a supply chain office there, but only uh, in like 2000, second half of 2014 is when we really, we were still working out of our apartment before that. We kept it really, really lean, really tight, really flexible because we knew, you know, we just didn't want to like, I guess, you know, go too far ahead on anything just in case. So, and we still in our in our minds, you know, Craig and I never expected it to be what it was. So we were still small business minded, really. Yeah. And, you know, we, we still were, even when we were doing those big numbers and we'd be meeting with people and they're like, what's your team like? And we're like, "Um, it's kind of us <laughs> and like four other part-time people. Like it was really, really small. So we did have the supply chain because we needed that by then, you yes. know, we couldn't manage that sort of, you know, production process. Um, And, you know, in the critical path without help. But that was still about, would have been five or six people in Hong Kong and that was it. And then just Craig and I and no one else. There was no marketing, no social media. It was still predominantly me um, with a team of girls that were doing the customer care. Because that was a huge, you know, part of the business was that personal touch that you know we launched live chat on our website before any other fashion business would have ever done it because we knew that when you're buying something as intimate as swimwear you want to feel like you can ask someone about sizing straight away Mm. so that was really important so we had a team we had quite a few girls doing that in the philippines yes um and they were just working from home and doing it there and that was it
0: yeah, wow. Yeah. But over time it grew or?
1: It's still pretty small. I mean, wow. I've left, yeah. but um, it's still a small team. There's girls in Sydney now. There's a yes. store in Sydney and there's a there's a team of about, I think there's probably like four girls in Sydney. Oh, wow. Um, but still really small. And then Craig's in Monaco and there's still, I think, a small team in Hong Kong. But for the size of the business, the team is tiny.
0: Yeah, and wow. And
1: because the, the model hasn't really changed and, you know, I'm sure it could have it would have taken a different path maybe bigger maybe better maybe not yes. but keeping it lean and keeping it you know about what we were doing was just really easy to manage so we were just we just kept it that way it was kind of like it's not broken so yeah don't try to fix <laughs> yeah. it yeah that's awesome yeah wow that's
0: really interesting because i would have thought yeah as it as it grew and to even hit you know 60 million us not far a yeah. 100 million australian yeah. like 50, 100, to like 150 yeah. people yeah. like to run the operations, the mm-hmm. marketing power, all of mm-hmm. that. That's crazy. Yeah,
1: we, we would – because we entertained the idea of selling in 2015 because we had private equity just coming for us like you wouldn't believe. So we thought, well, why not? We'll just see. And we'd be sitting out we went, you know, we sat down with Bain Capital and yeah. they're like, so what's your team? <laughs> Tell us <laughs> about your team. And we're like, it's kind of us. And they're like, no, no, what? And it was just – it was dumbfounding in a way to people that we had built what we'd built – really just the two of us with a few other people kind of helping on the bits that we just needed help with because we didn't have enough hours in the day but essentially it was really Craig and I yeah
0: wow so then let's talk about the product I'd love to go deeper because it's product led growth yes like like yeah it's yes Instagram was awesome but Mm -hmm. and I think sometimes people they start an e-commerce brand and they go, "Yeah, I'm just going to do the influencer thing." Yeah. But if 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 the product isn't something that is shareable mm-hmm. or that people get pumped about or they mm-hmm. love, like all yeah. that on the brand, yeah. you don't get the traction like what you have. Exactly. So let's yeah. talk about that. Yeah. Um, how did you know when it was the right time to launch?
1: Um, we because we we launched with um, nylon spandex, like standard bikini. Fabric and that was okay. You know, we launched, we did graphic prints, it was kind of cool, kind of cute, but it didn't have that, like, you know, like it factor. Like, it wasn't like there was, it was just kind of a slightly better version of what other people were doing, but at a better price point. Yes. And so we were like, yeah, this is good, like, it's okay, but like, there's got to be something more than this. There's got to be something different, something new. You know, and, and, you know, and I, I'm saying that I was saying this was mainly Craig because he's the real innovator. And he, you know, was going up, look, he's he was obsessed with fabrics and trying this and trying that. And what about this fabric in a thick, like a, like a thicker nylon spandex, like four layers or, you know, maybe bonding it onto this or, you know, trying all different things and landed on neoprene. Um, you know, neoprene's been around for swimwear. Obviously, it's wetsuits, um, and has been around in swimwear. There's, you know, a few other brands that were doing it, um, but we were the first ones to obviously take it into the mainstream market. Yes. And we knew when we made them, and when I put them on, you just, you just, we said that, you said that feeling. It's like, oh, this is it. Like, you, we just knew. It just looked so good on the body, so smooth, so the lines were lovely it looked like nothing anyone had really done before. And this was, you know, the, the colour with the black binding. It was so simple, but it felt, just felt special. Yes. And we knew it would photograph well. It would work really well being an e-commerce business because it looked impressive to get. You know, it, it, was, it was more solid. It wasn't like, you know, non-Spanics, you know, you can squash into a ball. It was really, it was, you know, impressive to look at and hold. And it looked really good on. So... That that was when we when we knew when we, and then when we put that out that was what people gravitated to because they were like we haven't seen this this is new to us and it's not expensive so let's give it a go.
0: But it didn't sell that fast straight away, right?
1: Not really. Like it did. It. it what we noticed is when because we launched with nylon spandex that was slow. That yes. was still like you know maybe f- like a f- couple of sales a week. You know and. Getting a bit of growth every week, so yes. we were like, "This is okay." But
0: you didn't sell out first day, like people oh banging no. down oh, the no, doors. No, 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 not
1: at all, not at all. We were okay with the growth because our we didn't have any overheads. We weren't yep. paying ourselves. We weren't paying anyone else. Yep. So we were like, and you know, we just knew that we could sort of, kind of move with it and change. When we put the neoprene out, that is when we saw that jump from three, four sales a week to be three, four sales a day, and yes. we were like, okay all right, interesting, good, good. And then we put a few more colours out in it and we were like, oh, okay, this is, you know, and then, and then we did a proper photo shoot in Bali. And then these little things that would happen along the way in the start and we'd see that growth and it wasn't massive growth, not until, you know, like six months or a year later, we really, but we were growing enough to see that what we were doing was working and we were nurturing our customers, you know, we were talking to them we were helping them through processes of returning or if they if something broke or you know and and so there was just a really good energy and feeling around it and it was craig and i doing everything so we were sending out the product we were talking doing the social media we were emailing the customers we were doing it all so we were really able to tune in on what was going on at every angle and even though the growth looked small from the outside in the beginning for us it was huge because we were like every new, every, like I used to get the PayPal notifications on my phone. So it would ding when a sale would come through. And yeah. that was like the best. I remember eventually having to turn it off because there were just too many and being so sad that chapter ended. Because every sale was just that confirmation that we were doing the right thing. And when that got up to, you know, 10 a day or. You know, even less than that, like five a day was still amazing. Ten a day was great. And then when it got to sort of like 30, 40 a day, we were like, okay, we're, this this is, we're onto something like this is, this is going to be great. You can just feel it.
0: Hey guys, I hope you're enjoying this episode and learning a ton. As you know, in this series, we interview some of the greatest founders of our generation to find out how they did it. However, if you're thinking of starting your own business and you want to hear from some incredible stories from everyday people like you or I who are actually in the trenches, only been building their business for maybe one year or two years, like they're building right now and they're really in the early stages, but they're getting success. You should come and check out our new podcast, From Zero to Founder, hosted by our community manager, Molly Flynn, These are in the trenches stories from our very own successful students that have gone through some of our programs. People just like you who are deep within the process of building their very own successful business. These are the founders of tomorrow. You can find the From Zero to Founder podcast on all platforms. And remember, it's founder without the E. All right, now let's jump in the show. How did you guys manage cash flow around this rapid growth
1: yeah yeah so I mean we were we were always cash flow positive from launch we never borrowed apart from the initial so where we borrowed to make the product yes once we sold our first bikini we never borrowed money again yes. um, so we were always able to you know we, we like we weren't spending much money ourselves we were living super lean but we were able to pay for the manufacturing pay for our rent um, we weren't paying girls for the swimwear. We were just sending products. So we had a huge – you know, we were making that extra product to gift. Yes. But, you know, we'd worked on – or Craig had really worked on getting our costings super, super, super low. So we were able to gift uh, and, and, you know, we had no other overheads. So cash flow – we just kept growing our cash, really. Yes. and And not spending it because – we were loving watching it come in. (laughs) So we were like, let's keep it, let's keep it. So yeah, we were really fortunate.
0: Like even with like, as the business rapidly grew and product, you need to keep, keep, MOQs get bigger and big well there's no yeah. MOQ, like you just bigger and bigger and yes. bigger bigger orders you guys yeah. didn't fall into any difficult
1: No no the more we made the more we you know we put back into making more styles doing better photo shoots yes hiring better models getting better photographers you know Craig used to do the shoots he used to be the photographer and i would hold the like light. like it was literally that kind of you know and he we would edit no i think we would we would we would outsource the editing but we would do that bit ourselves so it was all done in that way so when we got more money it was just to put those few things in place to make the brand look better you know maybe hire like a we hired a girl in canada to do the live chat on the side that i was sleeping because i couldn't do it you 24 know, seven. So those little things, but it all went back into the business. Yeah. You know? Wow. Yeah. Super
0: lean operation. Oh, I, yeah. thought, I thought it would be much bigger. No, yeah. no.
1: Yeah. So lean.
0: <laughs> so you've been fairly open around kind of the challenges mm-hmm. personally yeah. with the growth of the business. I'd, mm-hmm. I'd love to hear kind of like the real side of that. Yeah. Like, is it, you know, people from the outside, you know, you're on the young rich list, you mm-hmm. know, people might think, oh, wow. She's got it all worked out. I'd love to trade places with her. Yeah. I'd love to hear some of the the struggles. Yeah.
1: So in the beginning, it was great and we loved it. And my skill sets were super, you know, tangible and I I knew what I was doing and I knew my place and it was customer care and it was Instagram and that was great. And then when the brand became so big and huge and it, it, you know, kind of outgrew me, and I didn't know where I fit in. And that was happening at the same time as making a ton of money and all this success. And I had my first baby and, you know, and from the outside, every box was being ticked. Like, you know, I would ticked every box that you could tick at, by that age. And I was completely intern, you know, internalizing how I was feeling so much that I didn't even really know what was going on at the time. I just was feeling not as happy as I thought that I probably should be feeling. Um, And then just putting that down to just, we were so busy that I just wasn't stopping and pausing, but it was really that I lost my way through that business. Um, You know, didn't, you know, I was 27 when it started. So they're really formative years of working out who you are. And I was triangle, like that was me, that was my identity. So, you know, you go along on that path with it and you don't really ever get to step away from it because it is you and, you know, I was too, you know, I was too, I guess, you know, when I got to the really top bit and that was when we moved to Monaco and we had, you know, we were multimillionaires and the rich list and, you know, and I I asked to not go on that every year um, because I just didn't want that to be what it was about because I didn't, I didn't like attach myself to that. I don't know whether it was I didn't feel worthy or I was embarrassed or because I wasn't feeling super fulfilled and happy. I didn't want people to see that and and it not be the reality, but I was really, really struggling and I didn't want anyone to know because I felt like people would just be like, how dare you be struggling? Like, look at your life. Like you've got all the money, you've got a, a partner, a baby, you live in Monaco. You like, come on, like, But I was really, it was like, it was that real, it's the best thing about Triangle that I took away from it was that it does not matter what your material successes are if inside just isn't working. It just really doesn't matter. And I had to learn that the really hard way. And now I look back and there were great times. I wasn't miserable the whole time, but I just wasn't able to work out. I didn't have the ability to work out what it was that wasn't working because I'd lost that sense of self completely. You know, it, it, it took four years of to, to, you know, really recently to actually be like, oh, I know who I am and I found my place and I'm ready to go again.
0: Can you tell us a little bit more around that journey and yeah. uh, kind of uh, kind of lessons you could share with, mm. with people watching because the highs are high and the lows are low. Yeah, And there is a dark side of entrepreneurship yep. where it's really tough
1: it's tough it's isolating and and it's you know you you become your brand and that is your identity and when i exited in 2018 i did not know who you know erin was like i just just didn't know i had two children i had all this you know, money, which I didn't actually really have because we were settling and there were disagreements with that and we've only just recently settled. So that was also happening. And I didn't want to go back to Australia and, and come back to Melbourne. And I didn't want to lose my identity and attachment to Triangle because I knew everyone here was so impressed by that. And my ego was like, no, like hold on to that. But I needed to let it go to to grow and to like find myself again. So, you know, it was a it was a it was a really long process and I guess, you know, it's something that I wish because, you know, I still think about that time and if I was in my twenties and I was watching me and I was back in Melbourne watching this girl succeed and do that, I'd be like, I want that, I want that. And I still fall into that trap now of I see people, you know, making a ton of money or living overseas or travelling and I fall into that trap of oh, like, that would be nice, like, maybe, like, why, why, I should do that, or, like, I wish I could, or, but at the end of the day, it just really doesn't matter, like, what you're doing, and, and, and where you are in life, because if you don't feel that, you know, and it's kind of cheesy, but if you don't feel that fulfillment, or that self-worth, or that, you know, kind of grounded feeling of, of what your values are and, and, and what your belief system is and all that kind of stuff. If you don't have that, you won't be happy no matter what you do. You could be swimming in money. You could be, you know, shopping every day like I was and spending thousands of dollars and feeling numb about it. Like, that's where I was at. So I wish I had been, a, like, I wish I could tell you know, like, I wish I could go back and tell myself that. Or what I really want to do now is actually tell women that, that like, you know, you don't have to be on the hamster wheel of chasing these things because they might not fulfill you. And they might, like, there's things that I am ready to go again about that'll probably be similar goals. Um, but I know that I'm coming from a base of knowing me and knowing what fills me up and what makes me happy. So, yeah, so this is a lesson, lots of lessons. Yeah, lots of lessons. <laughs>
0: um, so you exited. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm curious what's the plans now?
1: Yeah, yeah. well, it's exciting. It's taken me I took I did take four years off. Um, you know, I have four children, so I, I was busy, and I was really working myself out and getting back into you know, Erin and, and, and that world. So um, I, yeah, took a real break, took a really long time to work out who I was and and find what I really loved and what, and what really, you know, made me like ignited that kind of passion in me. Because Triangle had that to an extent but not in the same way I feel about what I'm doing now. And um, what I really want to do and what I am doing is make women especially – in business, does not doesn't have to be entrepreneurs. You know, obviously, I have a soft spot for entrepreneurs. I know how it feels, um, but just women in business. You know, men as well. But I really do feel super passionate about about women because I know what it was like before. I know what it was like during, and I know how I am now. And I want them to feel less alone, less isolated, more empowered, just better about themselves. Because, you know, everyone is worthy and everyone has the potential to do amazing things. Everyone just has roadblocks, like we all do. And we all have to navigate them and and understand them and move through them. So, you know, that's where I'm really, really moving into. And I've been doing a bit of mentoring. I'm setting up my website. Um, I'm moving into a few different structures that I'm like, this is my, I really feel like triangle, was there for me to now do this, like this is what I'm really ready to do.
0: So you're gonna move into more investing, advisory, mentoring, board? Yeah, 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 yeah.
1: Um, Mentoring definitely, you know, it'd be really, like I I really do, you know, I come from sort of working in corporate, so I really do, want to tap into those women as well and you know and man I keep saying women because it's just I just feel like it's just awesome. more natural yeah, for me yeah. eh? yeah. um you know and I really want to tap into that and just make you know people feel better about what they're doing and I've done a little bit of it I've sort of become a lot more active on my social media um which was a bit you know I felt silly but now I feel really good about it I feel like I'm I'm you know having great conversations I'm connecting with women again I know where 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 I'm going? So, yeah, it's awesome.
0: exciting. Yeah, and I'm curious. Like, 2022, there's a lot of e-commerce brands mm-hmm. launching. Yeah, um, what are common mistakes that you're seeing people make? And like, yeah, yeah, because it sounds like you're doing some mentoring, maybe with mm-hmm. e-com founders or mm-hmm. uh, female founders. Yeah, like, yeah, I'd love to hear kind of what are common mistakes you're seeing people make.
1: I think a lot of people are, you know, I think it's a tough one. It's probably, for me, it's a few things. It's, it's have it, you've got to have the right intention when you're starting a a business, whatever it is. And people, you know, underestimate, I think a few things. And it's the, it's the, the way people, other people can feel what your intention is. Like they know what you're doing, like why you're doing what you're doing. It's like, it's not tangible, but it's there, you know, and I think a lot of people will start a business with the wrong intention and then wonder why it's not working because they're like, chasing an idea of being an entrepreneur or they're chasing an idea of selling this product or an idea of this but it's not really what they are like truthfully doing so i think that's one mistake i think people still underestimate you know customer the customer journey and nurturing a customer treating them like they are you know king i think that's along with product being obviously number one that's customer is like also number one they sit together they're equally as important as each other because if your product's amazing but you don't nurture your customer they're not going to come back to you someone else will make a similar product and they'll do it and then they'll just go to there we know loyalty you know i think brands need to in 2022 i think i think it's coming back but i think that connection with the customer and, and building up that loyalty and that even that word of mouth kind of untangible connections that you're making, are, they're not as obvious, like you're not paying to like sponsor a post on Instagram or like boost, you know, whatever it is, but you are putting the effort in and you will see it come back to you. It's just, you can't, you know, see it on a piece of paper, but it's really important. I think brands really need to focus on that.
0: And what about influencer marketing 2022? Mm. <laughs> if you were to, Do you have aspirations to start another brand if you did? How, how would you approach that right yeah, now? Yeah,
1: look, I, I don't have any aspirations at the moment. I'm pretty, I, I'm, you know, happy to move into where I'm moving into. But if I did, you know, influencer marketing, I think it's still really important and valid and you can get a lot of traction there. But again, I think it comes back to the intention and, you know, and and making the experience amazing. Like I'm now starting to get a bit of, you know, and I'm not... an Creator or an influencer, so <laughs> yeah. I, I don't do anything like that. But I am getting those things come through, and it's so interesting to me because I'm like, <laughs> yeah. this is like, this is what I used to do. Yeah. And yeah. you know, you can tell the ones that are that are really genuine. You know, and like I'll get messages from women saying I've, I'm starting this brand and it's mine, and and I'd love to send you something. And you can feel that they just want me to try it because they value my opinion. Yes, and I love that versus the ones that are like. Hey, we want to, like, you know, send you this, and can you like tag it and set? And it's just so transactional, mm. and I think that is really just not the way to do it. I, I know brands will get some success doing it that way, but it's not for me, it doesn't have any long standing success. I think that you've really got to treat everyone respectfully, genuinely, with a lot of integrity, and really that starts from having the right intention at the start with your business, you know, and knowing why you're doing it. And it's okay if, if it's because, you you know, you want to make money or you want to be, you know, so, look, the, the intention doesn't have to be some honourable, like, philanthropic kind of intention. It just has to be true to you and really not be caught up in some, like, ideal idealistic ego or, you know, whatever it is. Um, yeah, I think that, you know, that's really
0: important. Mm, and I guess... A common thing that you hear is like, I tried influencer marketing, it doesn't work.
1: Mm -hmm. What would
0: Mm -hmm. you say?
1: I would say it does. It just takes time. It's not an overnight thing. I think that it's that on social media you see the brand's doing well and you see the people with a lot of followers and and, and it's so easy to get caught up in that. But other people are doing this and they're doing that and I'm doing the same. And it's like, well, just persevere with what you feel is is right. And, you know, again, it's like a little woo-woo, but really tune into that gut feel like you you know when you're doing the right thing or you're on the right path with something like you feel it so if if they say the influencer marketing is not working it's like what what isn't working about it because it's either the way they're reaching out to an influencer or who they're reaching out to maybe they're going for all the big fish or they're going for a particular type who's not even aligned with what they're selling it's just like bringing that back and like asking yourself a lot of questions and then and then starting again and pushing forward and maybe like deviating that way
0: yeah. And if somebody wanted to learn from you around how to get well-known celebrities to post <laughs> about their brand, what would you say?
1: Oh, I think it's a different landscape now. Yeah. Um, I would, yeah, like, I'm not about pay. I still don't think you have to pay. I'm different for a campaign. If you yeah. want a celebrity to shoot your campaign, that's different. Yeah. You know, that's it's a job. Content. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But if you're trying to gift or trying to, you know, get them just to wear it. Um, for us in the States, it was really handy to have a PR agency. And oh. they did like a gifting suite. Yep. Their retainers are a, a, a big, but they're not insanely big. And that in the States is super, super helpful that really helped us
0: um sort of numbers we talking
1: oh uh, like that their retainer for us was five grand a month us no, that's not too bad it's not bad it, yeah, it's yeah. not bad i mean we that's still for us we were like no yeah, well, what are you going to give us <laughs> like tell us you know but it was really helpful because in the states they operate more in that way whereas yes. in australia it's more direct influencer so mm. in australia you know if you want to get on a celebrity that i mean you know they're not as big as the states anyway but in the states if you really want to get say on a kardashian mm fun agency that they're pulling from or their stylists are pulling from Yes. and sign up with them. And it is it is money for, for a smaller business, but I do think that it would it would pay off. I mean, it did for us. It's like they do suites for Coachella. They'll do a suite for Miami Swim Week. You know, for us, that was really important. And the celebrities or the stylists come in and they just take a bunch of stuff and then hopefully it gets on them.
0: Yeah. And I'm curious, when you said you're speaking with, with private equity or Bain or had yeah. had um, investors. Like, yeah, how come you guys didn't sell?
1: I, it it always got to a point where we would have these numbers thrown at us that were pretty high, and you know it was all like amazing, and we're going to offer you this, and you you know and it was it was never a majority; it was always minority, you know, share that we were we were looking at selling or or selling the whole thing. Um, most people do, didn't, didn't want to buy the whole thing because they want us to be involved. Obviously, it's a, yes. new, it's a new business. Yes. Once we once we really learnt that, um, we would get to these, you know, have these meetings, get pretty close to like maybe thinking about signing something, and then we'd sit and go. What do we really, really value about our day? And it was having freedom and having no one to answer to and not having a boss or another person. And we knew that if we brought anyone else in, majority, minority, it would just mean that we had to be accountable to other people. And that was really, we didn't want it. And, you know, no amount of money was going to, you know, shift that for us. So they they didn't really get anywhere because of that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was just good. It was a really good thing to kind of value, I think, as an entrepreneur, you value your freedoms so much. That's usually why you've left. You know your other your other job and your other sort of work that you've done. So you got to be really mindful before you give that up.
0: Mm, yeah. Look, I think that's a really good realization. So work towards wrapping up. Yeah. Um, you've been so open, honest, <laughs> real. It's been awesome. Um, got a few rapid fire questions Ooh, for you. Yep. So if you could go back <laughs> to your first day in business, what advice would you give to the younger Aaron?
1: Um, probably not to s- spend so much time worrying about, you know, what would happen if sales just stopped one day. I used to worry about that a lot because you're like, what if we just wake up one day and no one buys a bikini? And it would, like, consume a lot of my thoughts. So it would be like, just don't worry about that because – have faith, have more faith in what you're doing and just focus on pushing forward. Yeah.
0: What is your definition of success? Oh,
1: um, I think it is when you're, when you really, oh God, for me, it's definitely when you feel fulfilled and um, feel like you just, it's kind of so cheesy, but it's like when you feel like you're on the right path, you know, and, and that doesn't have to mean dollars or being a CEO or even, you know, climbing the corporate ladder, having four kids, whatever it is, you know, like success for me is just waking up and feeling really, really, truly grateful for what I have. That's, that feels like I'm, I'm a success, you know.
0: All right, this is my last one. It's my favourite. Uh, If you could have dinner with any entrepreneur, dead or alive, who would it be and why?
1: Oh, my God. I've never thought of this. Um, I don't know. Oh, my gosh. Um, Entrepreneur, dead or alive. I'm going to say it's going to have to be, this is so pathetic, but it's going to have to be Elon Musk, (laughs) probably, because I think that he is the weirdest, most interesting person that I have, and I don't I don't really look at, at many entrepreneurs. I don't really, I'm like pretty boring about sort of what I, you know, what interests me. And when I get spare time, it's, you know, it's not often, um, but he is just so interesting and unique and weird. And I just would just, just for the sake of just hearing how he talks and what he says and, you know i think he's just super interesting so it'd be him yeah which is so lame but anyway no it's not lame <laughs> i've at never all thought I, I, about that i reckon i, I could think the same. Of 10 other good people <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's all good well look erin thank you so much for taking thank the time you, this is awesome and uh yeah thank you for being so open honest and sharing with all the lessons you've learned and welcome. uh you've gone f- you're going full circle now yeah. yeah this is awesome yeah
1: so, i'm starting so again much. thank yeah. you
0: hey guys i hope you enjoyed this interview